podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Christopher Prunty. Gentlemen, always good to have you. On today's episode, we have a patron-backed email that we're going to be diving into. But before we do, I just wanted to shout out a new patron, not the one that's giving us the email, but someone else that we have that's new. But before we get into today's episode, I did want to send out a huge thank you to our newest patron, Jacob. He's been a contributor to the show in the past. And I just want to say thank you for joining our patrons. And remember that if you wanted to join our patrons as well, you can always go to our Patreon link in each description and give generously or not so generously. Frankly, any amount of money is too generous. So that's fine too. Uh, And (laughs) the other thing is, of course, if you want to just send a prompt in before joining our Patreon, you can do so by sending an email to worldbuildwithus at gmail.com, or you can go ahead and shoot us a tweet over at Let's World Build, or come join our Discord community link also in the description. Anyway, now that we've got all the shilling out of the way, let's go ahead and roll right into today's prompt. This is coming in from Seth. And he is saying, hello, world builders, love your show and all the crazy cool ideas that evolved between you and your guests. I wanted to express my gratitude by pitching in as a patron. And for my episode prompt, I have chosen the setting known as Raiden. Other listeners of a certain age may recognize this name. I was reminded of it during a recent episode, The Legend of Linka and Zeldo, which explored multiverse of timelines for the land of Hyrule. Similar to that setting, Raiden is a nexus of all multiverses, high fantasy, sci-fi, and generally any setting or genre one can think of, canonical or otherwise. There is a catch, however. It's very hard to leave, and most who end up there are accidental immigrants, armies sucked into exotic artifacts, starmen who made a bad hyperspace jump, victims of miscast translocations, lost spirits, and so on. It's a place for misfits and mashups, diverse and, at least early in its history, extremely chaotic. Raiden is also where my wife and I first met, as part of an online role-playing community that improvised a lot of really cool stories involving everything from power-mad warlords to shape-shifting wizards to pet Komodo dragons. I was there mostly in the late 90s. Others familiar with my setting may disagree somewhat with my characterization, and to them I say none of this exists as canon except in the memories of those who were there. Still, they should come find me on Discord and we can talk about the old times. I want to hear what you think. I want to hear what you think this setting would become as time passed and some stability emerges. Who are the big players politically, economically, militarily, and so on? What kind of weird shit gains a foothold in the dark undercity? Random beings and objects still arrive regularly from the dimensional nexus at the heart of Raiden, though by now, existing denizens are perhaps more well-equipped to manage the traffic they were than in the past. Most of the time, anyway. Thanks, and keep up the great work, Seth. Gentlemen, as someone who was uh, in the battle days of AOL chat rooms and... uh, doing some Pokemon role-playing of my own. Can we talk about AOL for a second? Because I imagine that we have some listeners who have no idea what we're talking about. Oh. <laughs> I started in Yahoo chat, not um, AOL chat, although I had AIM Messenger, of course. Everyone, okay, everyone had AIM Messenger back in the yes. day, Daniel. So yeah, I mean, of a certain age, as he says, of though. Of a certain age. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely remember... Um, 
you know, having some Pokemon battles when I was like 12 years old, just by like seeing who can basically type the fastest and make up as oh much shit gosh. that they learn from the anime as possible. Like that's basically what it was. Old Do you story. remember um, the free dial-up internet though, Net Zero? Oh, of course. You had you had uh, Net Zero and Netscape and all of yep. those good ones back in the day. Getting your internet on a CD. Yep. Get, yes, and then having so many free internet CDs that you just threw them away because that is how that giant, you know, like berg of plastic exists in the ocean now is because of so many goddamn AOL discs. That's actually the internet. It's just couple. what is it? just a like a an island of <laughs> AOL discs. It's yes. just the internet. Yeah. Remember, I remember a professor I had who um, not only still had his AOL email, but he paid for it for like for years. Dear God. Even in like, now, this is only maybe like five, seven years ago. Uh, look, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I was the first one on Gmail, but I had a Gmail pretty early on. But I stuck to my old Hotmail account for the longest time because I just had, you know, like that was just who I was back in the day. But gentlemen, we are clearly diving into nostalgia. So let's go ahead and establish some tenets for this early internet age wonder that is Raiden. Who wants to go first? One of the things that I want to be well established about the setting is that the influx of people have never stopped. And mm -hmm. I believe in the email itself, it might have mentioned that it wasn't just people that would come in, but also resources or other things that were on their person. The main thing of the economy I wanted to be based around is scavengers and people who uh, pick off from this trash heap, an area where new people are coming in. And it's kind of like a weird uh, raider barren kind of economy where uh they're not like being the people who are in control but when you're outside of uh the main city states or whatever these are the people these are the power players who are gathering up the cheaper easier resources to gather or hoping that they find something rare from i don't know since the multiverse uh more highly advanced uh universe so maybe maybe what you're suggesting here is that the power structure has evolved to essentially hoovering up the new citizens of Raiden, essentially, correct? Mm -hmm. okay. Where okay, so maybe and maybe that's where we can kind of locate, you know, powerful resource. But I, I I'm not familiar with Raiden too much, so I can't really speak to that. But is it a singular nexus where everyone arrives at the same place and then disperses? Because if it's a singular place, I would imagine that everyone is fighting over that area pretty consistently. Yeah, I think so. I think it should be a, like a, a specific area, whether it's within one city or within the boundaries of one space. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a large space. Where they well, arrive. if I'm not mistaken, it's the Red Dragon Inn because Raiden is just... RDN, which is Red Dragon Inn. It's like the, that's for, for our younger listeners. That's how we kind of created internet lingo back in the den. You just mashed up words and smushed them together. Uh, and that's basically what Raiden means is RDN. It's just the, the shorter portmanteau version of it. But does it have to be an inn? Like, I know, I know just glancing at the lore too, it seems like that was the original place, but it seems like it evolved. 
Well, we also uh, wanted to do it as how this place would be in the future of it. Yeah. Right. So, so my question to you is, how did they split where the nexus would be then? Because if we're going to be doing it so it's not just a singular nexus, I'd love to do it so it's more than... Like, I'd love to create some backstory there. Well, you could do it as my way. It is a chaotic battlefield of where people are, like, uh, fighting for power. But since there's no way to really uh, build a base of power on this kind of sandcastle of people coming in, like, all it would take is, uh, say... 200 super advanced cyborg soldiers came in and you were like, oh crap, I was not prepared for this. <laughs> and they start destroying your fort and you're like, well, that guy's no longer in power. <laughs> but he really can enjoy the brief amount of power that he did have and everything. And that's where those, uh, the robber baron people that I was saying come in handy because uh, the actual seat of power will be like, yeah, we'll give you money, we'll give you people, we might try and keep you in power longer, but you know, if another person comes up and undercuts you because you got destroyed by a bunch of cyborgs, fuck it. We'll hire them. Uh, okay. But can, can, I, I just, I, this idea just popped into my head as you were saying this, can we have a curated experience for like, welcome to the Nexus, you know, like welcome to Raiden where it's like, you're essentially on like a, a people mover and, you know, like, let's say 200 cyborg soldiers all kind of come through, but like, <laughs> this is the most well-defended area, right? So it's like, you can come in, but you're going to sit through the tour. And then maybe at the end, there's like a job fair style thing where recruiters do there, like, come join our faction, you know, where it's like, that's the level. Because that's like, there's like a weird Disneyfication that I have of this place. Are, are you saying like that you have to take the small world ride before you enter? Yes, you have to ride the people mover and you have to understand, like, in order for you to get into the world at outside. So, so that would that would assume that there was a very powerful group that maybe established a kind of um, um, order to the, to the space where you arrive. Like, it may have been chaotic in the beginning, but they've set up this Disney space on top of it now. Well, I, I'd actually like to think that this is the only place in the entire giant multiversal dimensional plane where this is the place where it's a neutral zone, you know, mm -hmm. like everyone's trying to recruit, but they all need everyone's cooperation. So this place doesn't fall apart. So, but the question would be like in any neutral space, like they must have a big stick that keeps it neutral <laughs> at their disposal. Well, well, that's the thing. If you don't play nice in this area, right. you don't get a seat at the table at all. Yes, like, it, it, you lose new recruits, which is a huge deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I do want to take that idea and I want to introduce one of my tenets to it because uh, as soon as I saw this, I got a huge nostalgia boner because, <laughs> man, I just have a weird fondness for that age because it's like the age of my childhood. So obviously I'd have that. And thus, I would like to create the tenet that Raiden still exists, new people still come in. However, there's no media that, you know, like there's no canonical media that comes in after 1999. <laughs> so if it was created after 1999, it cannot come into this version of Raiden. You can still have all of your like, you know, early Star Wars stuff, 
You can still have all of your original Battlestar Galactica. You can have all of your fantasy stuff and every kind of fan fiction that's, you know, grinded up and mashed up in between. But you can't have like new Doctor Who. You can't have Avatar The Last Airbender. Like you can't have Naruto. You can't have those massive pieces of weirdo fiction that made themselves into Raiden eventually. I want it so like there is a cutoff. 1999, as soon as the clock turns over and hits 2000, no more media is allowed in. Because part of the experience of Raiden from what I was reading was like, seeing that Jedi were in there and seeing that like, you know, Super Saiyans were a part of the the canon and stuff like that and just going with pure chaos. And I want to keep that. And I also want to steep it in a whole bunch of 90s nostalgia as well. So this setting is literally a fan fiction. Like it's not that we're creating a setting that is its own thing inspired by Raiden, but it, it, it literally is fan fiction. Yes, essentially. Uh, but so I actually had justification for this in that uh, Raiden itself is a tulpa. It is the like psychic manifestation of the late of the 90s in general, specifically mid to late 90s. But it is everyone's, you know, like collective unconscious creating this area that traps all of the 90s fictional worlds and role playing shit that happens into it. Sounds dangerously close to Ready Player One, but in the 90s. Yeah, but not shit. That's kind of what I'm aiming for. Um, you know, like, so, so, like, let's have it be a good version of Ready Player One. You know, like, that's the ultimate ideal. Also, really, low-hanging fruit, but that's going to be easy to do. I mean, like, have you read Ready Player One? <laughs> uh, I read it, and I was like, that was okay. And then I started to reread it. I'm like, this is it's, not good. It's horrible. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, I never watched you the movie. Even tried Ready Player Two. Oh, oh God, no! Just no. <laughs> I, I remember seeing some like leaked Twitter shit, and I'm like, Nah, I'm good. I'm 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 not even for a hate read. Not even for a like ironic read. I, I'm I feel like the as I get older, I have less patience for ironic readings and ironic viewings of like bad movies and stuff. Although actually, that's not true. Not with the bad movies. I'm always down for a bad okay, movie. I was but like when it comes to reading. I think it's because reading just takes so much more of my time and focus that it's like, nah, I could be reading something good. Fuck this. All right. Um, so, so before we move on, any other ideas towards the 90s Tulpa shit? What about uh, things that exist from the 90s but continue to exist now? Like, I, I know you were saying that not new Star Wars, uh, but old Star Wars can, but what about the Simpsons kind of thing? So with that... It's so like any character introduced after 1999, there's a cutoff. They can't come in. And what actually that introduces to me, I think, which is an interesting concept is there are going to be characters who have existed after 1999 who will have memories of post 1999, but will like, they're essentially like blocked from that. And there's like, wait a minute, what happened to that chunk of time? I have existed after this. And there was like a weird kind of existential crisis to it, I think would be kind of interesting. Mm. But again, it's mostly fan fiction. So fuck it. Right. True. True. I'm also yeah. wondering if, uh, does the scale of the fandom 
have anything to do with the power? No. Okay. Because I, I think that that is, um, I think that will actually, I'll actually touch on that a little bit more in my second tenet. Um, but I, but I'm going to say just a flat no to that right now, because I feel like, you know, like that it's a nebulous thing, right? When you want to talk about like how much you love something or where that kind of equates to a power level essentially. Right. Yeah. But yeah. so are, um, are the people who are in this setting, they have, they have to then, they have to absolutely be other fictional characters. Like you can't have no. an original character because they don't conform to an existing fandom. No, not at all. No, no, no. That, that that's, that's not what I'm suggesting. It's just that as, as uh, Seth was kind of talking about is that, you know, those fictional canonical things do exist but so do non-canonical things. You know what I mean? So you could have legally distinct thing from 19, or sorry, thing from 2000 and beyond, but no one would recognize it. It's not like they'd be attached to a specific franchise. So in, if this is a multiverse, what you're saying is basically there's other realities out there where a fiction that we've thought of is a real thing that's being pulled into this space, but there's a rule that in our, according to our reality beyond 1999, they can't enter the space. All right, Daniel, you're making me go into my second tenant, <laughs> which I've created justifications for this. And I'm just trying to like understand how this mechanically works, you know? All right. All right. So here's my idea. Okay. Here's my second tenant. You son of a bitch. Here's what it is. The idea is, in 1999, the the people in world of Raiden had to save the rest of the multiverse by stopping the Millennium Plague, or as we would know it in our world, the Y2K virus. Oh my God. Yes. So in their world, they have this massive quest and they are able to stop the Millennium Plague, but as a result, they shut themselves off on a timeline so they can still get things from past to from past 2000 but nothing can escape right that's that's kind of the conceit behind the prompt and this idea is that they've essentially time locked themselves to pre to prevent the millennium plague aka y2k bug from escaping that was my second tenet okay Daniel, I don't think you were prepared for the level of dumb shit for this prompt. <laughs> no, I came into this thinking that it would be, we would take the concept of writing and make a setting rather than oh. turn, <laughs> kind of tie our hands with fan fiction. <laughs> That's why I'm confused. Well, well, we still, well, no, we still can. Absolutely. Because now that we have all of this fan fiction, we have to figure out how they coexist with one another mm -hmm. and how like power structures advance. I also want to just say that since we've said that time has advanced, um, how do I put this? Some slash fic has happened and we're dealing with a lot of the descendants of people. Well, I, I imagine that tulpas could also be ageless in a way, but we could be dealing with generational shit as well. They so that be, could also be a thing. They might be ageless, but they also might be kind of like the heroes that died in the... Uh, long ago like they could it, in the, against the millennium plague yeah, yeah that could also be a really great way to kind of force us into a more original thing where these are essentially the descendants of 
the Skywalkers or descendants of, you know, like Vegeta Goku, you know, like that, that could absolutely be a thing. Wait, wait did you Vegeta go? Okay. Oh no, that's, that's the, that's the ship pairing between oh. Vegeta and Goku. Isn't it? I, in some writings, yes. Well, I mean, in my writings, it is. So. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the novel that I have here that deals with... Darkest um, Dementia. Yeah, see, with... that's the other thing that I'm also kind of looking forward to. It's just like, I want, like, I kind of want to explore, like, how bad fan fiction characters evolve. Because I think that's kind of interesting to think about. Because eventually they become unshackled from their angsty teenage writer and, you know, like... You know, like everyone had the character when they were younger that's like, I'm half angel, half demon, or like has a tragic backstory that's really dumb and makes no sense. But then like eventually that character is forced to evolve because they're untethered from their shitty writing. And that's where we can kind of come in and create interesting experiences and stories to tell. Oh, so going back to what you were saying about things that also exist after the 2000s but don't have any memory of it, is this kind of like a... Toy Story uh, in the way that they aren't essentially bound to the character that they were created as, but they will evolve into something. Yes. Like, and they might even have echoes of that original character, but then eventually they're like, wait a minute, I'm not that person anymore. Hmm. You know, like they can create their own per or they can, you know, grow their own personalities from then on. Nice. I feel like we've still lost Daniel here. I feel like his silence speaks volumes and it honestly hurts me a little bit. <laughs> deafening. I, it's reminding me somewhat of a novel called um, Thursday Next. Um, I don't want to say the author's last name, Jasper Fjord, maybe? Or Fjord? Um, where basically <laughs> it's a city where it's populated by literary characters. Um, mm -hmm. and I don't know much more beyond the premise of it because I haven't read it, but it's similar. It sounds similar to that concept yeah it's okay so it's that concept or it's like league of extraordinary gentlemen the comic not the movie mm -hmm. you know it's like it's basically taking all of these characters and then putting them in the same place and then you know like it's it's like time in a bottle watching that kind of like it's time locked but then watching that same population grow from there in their own autonomous zone so I guess, I guess the the question that I have, and this is where I'm struggling with, is what's the relationship of the characters to people who are not characters from a fiction? You know, well, that's where we come in. Exist? Yeah. It, that's where we come in. That's where we create the fiction. I'm creating the framework around it. And then I, that, that was my tenet anyway. I was like, I want to create kind of a loose framework surrounding it that adds in some interesting flavor. I wanted to leave a lot of the power structure stuff up to you guys if possible. And hopefully one of you did that. Otherwise, we're just going to have to make it up as we go. And God knows we're just terrible. We're going to do a great job with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Daniel, why don't you tell us one of your tenets and we can see what we can kind of reconcile here. <laughs> um, so my tenets are usually more broad. But what I was thinking is that um, Raiden being this nexus, um, it has a secret that it's slowly collapsing in on itself um, and that it's eventual eventually this will lead to its total destruction not of just right in but of the multiverse itself um and there is someone or something that's causing it to happen and only a few people know about this 
I mean, I, I would imagine that it has something to do with the, like I created that millennium plague as like kind of a fun nod and a joke and a mm-hmm. nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I feel like we could probably do something like that, yeah. you know, where it's like if the millennium plague does get out, it can cause massive disruption to the rest of the multiverse. Yeah. And I was, I was, the, I guess the main thing is that it's intentionally caused too, is the other concept. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you mean by that? So it's like, it's a creation is what you're suggesting. Yeah. Like there's someone or something behind it. Oh God. Okay. Hold on. This is going to sound super dumb. Is it a plot hole? <laughs> oh my God. It That's is like, I think that would be in Thursday next. <laughs> it, 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 right. Combination it, of all plot holes. That's what I mean. It's like, it's like the, the hungry maw that is all plot holes. It's like a tear. It's a hole in the universe. It's literally. Someone's like deliberately creating a plot hole. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, and, and like, where else are you going to get like an ocean of plot holes than non-canonical AOL forum, like really loose role-playing games, right? Maybe um, the collection of people from contradicting realities is slowly creating that kind of contradiction and someone's capitalizing on it. All right. Okay. I, okay. Daniel, I got to stop the podcast. I feel like you're not on board with this. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) I just, it's, I'm trying to get there. (laughs) Okay. What I can like, we do? I just don't have. I don't really care at all for a fandom universe. That's the problem. <laughs> so, so that's the thing. We can make it. So, what would make it interesting to you, then, Daniel? To me, it would be interesting as if if it were we weren't. I mean, which is a completely against your concept. That's why it won't work. Is that I don't like. I don't want to deal with like a world where it's just literally a vomit of fictional realities. Like where Dragon Ball shows up next to. Like, the way I took his premise was like different genres confluence here so like a starship might show up with like some wizards and some swordsmen Mm. and like a superhero but not literally like Battlestar Galactica Superman (laughs) and Final (laughs) Fantasy that's what I thought it was okay but but the thing is like in in my research toward you know like into Raiden I noticed like people were jazzed about watching dragons fight back to back with Jedi. Like that is, that is part of the nostalgia for this online fiction. So if, if we genericize it, it's the same thing as like, like we don't have to have Superman. We don't have to have Luke Skywalker, but we have to have superheroes and Jedi. That's the idea. Yeah. Like that I'm, I could get behind. I just thought we literally mean like cloud strife is showing up in this universe. Okay. (laughs) Okay, yes. That I think is just dumb. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. Daniel, why can't you embrace dumb here? Because uh, like, th- that's what this is about. Because to me, it's like if I'm world building, it's a waste of time. It's like going back to being 13 and world building with Legos that just are silly to put together. <laughs> Daniel, every time we role play, it's going back to 13 and creating cool fantasy shit. Okay. Yeah, but we're not, we're not literally playing like Vegeta. <laughs> fighting okay but what's the difference between like what's the difference between vegeta tmcr and like legally distinct vegeta well you're creating your own actual story like one whereas one is performing in another person's space performing so so why can't so why can't so 
that's actually really interesting to me. So are you suggesting that you cannot play Dungeons and Dragons in a Forgotten Realm setting because you're playing in another person's space? No, I'm not saying that. Like, because you're kind of using maybe like, you're playing in someone's sandbox there. But I am suggesting is that you're not really, the, the enterprise of like creative work or, or world building you're not you're not really doing it if you're doing fandom work. It's a different thing, is what I'm saying. <laughs> he doesn't okay. Like I, I would I would definitely have to tier them. I would definitely say like running a campaign in Forgotten Realms and using D and D IP is inferior intellectually to running a campaign in IP that you created. That's what I'm getting at. Okay. Okay. Can can we reconcile this then? Can we just acknowledge that we're going to be having IP adjacent stuff and then recognizing that we're not going to be like, we can have fan. This is all just going to be fan fiction of fan fiction. Can we at least acknowledge that? Yeah. I mean, I, I get that's what the concept is. It's kind of like the link episode. True. I was less excited about too, but like that one is like the sandbox concept, right? You're working with, you're working in a setting that's a fiction unto itself, as opposed to like, mixing a bunch of them together in a silly way <laughs> which is why i hate you ready player one <laughs> even that one though is is that one isn't even as bad because ready player one is a thing unto itself it just references stuff from, from right. the real world so, so it's not so, really a fan fiction uh, again one, one literally is <laughs> it, it, I, well no ready player one absolutely is a fan fiction it's just a fan fiction of the real world but my, yeah. my my point is like well wait a minute what's i don't understand the difference then if we just have like Hey, this is like character who is a Jedi and character who is a superhero. I don't understand why that is like so awful because just because they're the, you know, like they're the progeny of, you know, Luke Skywalker and Boba Fett or some shit like that. Well, what if you had it as going back to uh, the Topla, Topa like way of it of where they are coming here, but they're coming here more as the broad stroke concepts. So when they came here, you didn't just get Superman. You got, you did get Goku like people, but you got each kind of iteration of it, not essentially Goku or Superman. You also got like off brand Superman that looks like Ultraman, like things that have that same power, things that uh, encapsulate that same idea of, this is a super strong person with a strong sense of justice. Well, actually, that that kind of comes up. I, I think we I think we might have a creative out here, Daniel, because Chris mm -hmm. just gave us a really cool idea. What if we have like that was the original 1999 version is where you're getting straight up, you know, like Jedi and shit like that. But as time passes, it becomes less and less clear. So it's like you put more and more Vaseline on the lens to the point where it's like, oh, that's not a Jedi. That's a, a star destroyer, man, like a, a star killer, you know, like something like that to where where we are now, you know, like 30. Yes, it was <laughs> 30 years later. You know, it's 30 years on and the lens is so blurry that we're not getting Jedi, but we're getting something that is like several generations removed from Jedi, you know, like because of that kind of in a bottle situation, time in a bottle situation. I mean, maybe one way to do what you're suggesting, because like the, what, what you're reacting to or what you're interested in is, is nostalgia, right? Like what's close to um, what we grew up with and telling stories that are like it, right? So, I mean, what if um, 
you have the characters in the setting, um, this millennial virus or whatever happens. And because they come from that kind of time, the rest of the world has taken on its aspects have taken on what they grew up with. And that's why you have an influx of all these things that are kind of manifested in multiple realities from what they care about. You know what I mean? Like then you would have like, it would be a reason why stuff like Superman and any 1990s stuff is showing up physically in this realm. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, The way to defeat the millennial virus kind of thing is kind of like what happened with God Emperor Doom about mm-hmm. how he had to like refit the world back into what he wanted but it was you can see the things that reminded you of yeah so kind of what i mean like it's a psychic imprint of of, yeah. of there's a reason why it's coming out is because the people there are from that time right yeah that's what that's what a tulpa is yeah, yeah. It's, it's an idea given like uh consciousness so maybe yeah, maybe i just maybe i misunderstand like the concept maybe that's what you mean is like the people in Raiden at that time, you know, have a nostalgia for the 90s. And so their like psychic influence is what's pulling all these things into them. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like literally like, sure, a, 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 um, you know. Oh, no, I don't mean literal Luke Skywalker that's and literal I mean. Superman. That's what I was asking. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's dumb as fuck. That's I mean, exactly. See, now you understand. That's what I was, okay, yeah. was picturing. When I said, are they literally yeah. showing up? Okay, yeah. I mean, like, I mean the idea that is yes. Superman and the idea that, but I do mean, like, branded Superman, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, so, because they believe in Superman, a Superman figure, if not himself, appears, but it's, yes. it's, like, not that he exists out in the world, it's just that it's been manifested because of them. Yes, exactly. Okay. Oh, yeah, that I, to- that I totally get. That's why I asked, like, are we literally doing fanfic? <laughs> That's what I meant when I asked. Okay. That. That, that may, so I, I suppose I misunderstood when you were asking about fan yes. fiction because I'm like, basically, yeah. You, know, because like, <laughs> you mean like thematically? Me, yeah, yeah, like thematically, yes, because yeah, these are yeah. essentially tulpa. It's right? kind of like, like when I was asking you, do you literally believe that the things in the Bible happened? That's kind of what I was asking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Daniel, I'm glad that we had our first fight on the podcast live. (laughs) Well, I was just trying to get back on the boat because I'm like, this boat looks really silly to me. You're like, this boat is rotten and full of holes and I'm not into it. Yeah. All right, Daniel, are you now into dumb bullshit island? Are we? Yeah, now I get it because now it's more like, you know, now it has a drama. Now it's tied in like um, a fiction that we made up. Like there's people who are there who have this impulse, you know. All right. Oh, man. Uh, I'm sorry that everyone had to hear our breakup episode live as it happened. Um, have you, did, did you just do your tenant? The plot um, hole thing, right? The plot hole one, yeah, I did that one. I think that one can still work because that one okay. we can play with it, take it wherever you want. Yeah, I, I agree. With I that. like the okay. idea of plot hole because that could mean multiple things. It could mean like in a literal fanfic, it would literally mean a plot hole. But here it could yeah. mean like there's something, a contradiction some, with the people in Raiden that that's causing, you know, these things to be pulled in there and limiting the the time period that the multiverse can pull in. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now that we're both understanding the same thing, now we can both get simultaneously excited about a plot hole manifesting. Okay. God, that took forever, but I'm glad that we got there. So everyone can understand. Yeah. Now we all on the same page. That's the idea. All right. That's important. See, and this is the thing guys, 
Whenever you're doing any kind of world building that's collaborative, you want to have these clarifying conversations because otherwise you can't have this kind of like, uh, I don't know, that doesn't sound right. Right. And you want everyone to be as excited for dumb bullshit like a pothole as Daniel and I are now. Because now I'm like, I'm, I'm, on, I'm excited about these people who have this contradiction and the reason why, for some reason, they're limited to this time period of their, their, their nostalgia. Their nostalgia is now somehow dangerous. Yes, yes. And, that, and that's also what I was kind of interested in as well, right. is this idea of like creating a prison out of nostalgia. Yes, that. now that's yeah. interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Chris, <laughs> save us from this nightmare and give us your next tenant. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> all technology does work when it arrives in this nexus but it works to a kind of degree of averages so uh, i wanted to do this on a single planet i'm not sure if that's safe or the way that it works but uh it was a way to explain if faster than light technology happens it still works but it's more on the scale of you will go very quickly from point a to point b but not anywhere near of like traveling between the stars it's more like you now have a ship that's very fast for traveling in between cities in fact literal fast travel (laughs) correct but it's not like in the blink of the eye so imagine if there was the fastest car would go up to 200 miles an hour an ftl drive would somehow just be like a bullet train Mm -hmm. so these are like weird power limiters almost in a way correct is same thing with uh like imagine so people don't come in here with uh, machine gun nukes, as it were. Oh, you mean Warhammer 40K? I, yes, yeah. <laughs> you got to prepare for the Warhammer 40K. So I you suppose like, that's true, huh? Are you like providing, so you mean like there's got to be some limitation for, say, the, um, the Disney group that's in charge of like entrance into this place. They've got to impose some kind of limitation on technology that comes in. Is that what you mean? Yeah, It imagine if there is some underlining code or force that just doesn't allow things to work as strong as they used to. You mean like an admin? Yes. <laughs> yes. Curious okay, so raises the question like is this um is the space of of Raiden is it is it a whole planet? Is it a city, a country? Like what are we dealing with space wise? I thought it was like a very large mega city on a planet. That's what I thought too. That's also my thinking, but I don't understand. I, I I don't understand why we can't just make it a planet, you know. But like, also have faster than light travel and all that stuff. Could One thing I am kind of concerned about, though, is this idea of like, obviously you can't have starships or or too many mm-hmm. starships because eventually Earth's like airspace is just going to be like the sun blotted out with a million starships eventually, right? Could it be a weird cosmology, though? So, like, it's not really a planet. It's, like, a collection of landscapes through a, a type of space Ooh. that's unusual. Like zones. Or, or like, a snow jammer kind of thing. Yeah, it's, sure, it's, we can do that. Yeah. That way you can have spaceships, but, like, they're, the physics are different in this space. Oh. So that's why maybe they don't have... Their nukes don't work the same way. So maybe that's what it is, is Chris. Like, the physics are different in, in writing. Oh, I, okay. I like that justification quite a bit. Th- there was actually a... Uh short story that i read where there was this main city that where many different um 
time periods and kind of multiversal things would exist. And as you left the city bounds, things would become less tethered in reality, quote unquote reality. Cool. But as you traveled out, you might find like waypoints where reality once again is anchored. Oh, maybe maybe that has something to do with the people behind Raiden and the plot hole and that like the closer you are to Raiden, the closer you are to like something that that's real and fixed. And the farther away you go, the more things unravel. But then there's other places of power where things are more stable. And that's where people can set up bases. And Mm -hmm. as they set up bases, it just becomes more real. Maybe it has something to do with the people themselves, like the ones who set up the base. Maybe they have like some strong belief, just like Raiden has a strong nostalgia for a certain time. Okay, is this where we can kind of have like the multivarious, you know, like settings and everything? Like, so if you enter Mm -hmm. this particular zone, suddenly the physics work differently and you can now have like Saiyans at their most powerful where they're like essentially deleting landscapes. But like that same character shifts over to like, a starship troopers area so they can't do their normal like kamehameha and like you know destroy the bugs and everything like that but it's going to be something similar to that yeah yeah i think i think it has something to do too with like approaching a zone there's someone or something maybe there's a group of people who have a strong belief for that that sort of like fanfare have fan fiction or, or that fiction right and that yeah. dictates how the rules work there all right, so we went from point A to point B a little bit wider, but it seems like the hard rule would be that each area, as you get out from the central nexus, is mm-hmm. its own plane of existence, but you can see to it. And oh, yeah. the thing that I like is maybe the the point of where everyone is the weakest is where the nexus is, where everyone enters. Oh, that's this, interesting. this way it's like a flat ground of where, oh, you have a, a super powered being and uh, I don't know, like a freaking medieval peasant. They actually mm-hmm. might be able to fight each other because oh, their blazer beams are like a bad sunburn. <laughs> I see. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That I, that I can understand. And that would also, that would kind of go towards my like recruiting station where they're like, hey, come, you know, are you from this normal th- or, or rather it can kind of go with my recruiting idea where it's like, Hey, are you used to cowboys fighting robots? Come over with us. Hey, are you used to like cowboy bebop? Hey, come yeah. over to us, to the anime station. You know, like stuff like that. That makes sense. They, That'll be why it's like Disney like, because it's like an advertising. It's basically. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yes. I'm, I'm also just loving the idea in the early days of this Nexus, just some medieval pe- peasant with like a scythe killing Superman. <laughs> we got to get him on the team we got to get we got to get we got to get scythe peasant on the team well what's really cool too is like this this recruiting area is probably it's styled like the 90s that's why like because the, the people in charge of that area are the 90s people right they're the ones with the that hold the nexus together with their belief sure or at least at least they're trying to stop <laughs> something bad from happening uh, yes Ex- yeah, right exactly right Oh, all right. Uh, does anyone have any tenets left? Because I feel like we're getting towards the twist. I feel like we're already at the twist of the of the setting. Um, my second tenet was 
that it's not an accident that people are sucked up into Raiden, contrary to popular belief, and there's intention behind it's pulling a people in, from the multiverse. I, I like that. that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Well, yeah, because now we get into the idea of like recruitment and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, like maybe it's maybe it's not known to the people who are actively recruiting, but there's some other nefarious means that are, you know, actively sucking people. Yeah, out. that's what I mean. Like something yeah. under, going under the shadows, you know. Have have you ever read Top Ten? No. Why does that sound familiar? It, I oh god he. This is embarrassing, and I wish we weren't recording. Uh, he also, I believe, wrote uh, Transmet. Uh, well, oh, I know that. Yeah. So top ten is where there were a bunch of different multiverses. And I, I believe the multiverse that the comic takes place in is effectively the nexus of uh, the superhero genre. Oh, okay. But the number one genre is, it, they never go out and say it, but they, ha they have like a exchange program where they go see Precinct 1. And I think Precinct 1 is like literal Roman gods and everything. But Chris, I'm, I'm going to have to stop you. I apologize. Um, top 10 is actually written by Alan Moore. Ah, even uh, more embarrassing. Yeah, I, I, I did want to point that out because otherwise we would catch an, an inordinate amount of shit. And I want to just get the embarrassment out there for you oh, now. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Yeah, like. no, right. But I'm saving you compounded embarrassment by just stopping and saving you now. Thank I'm you. I'm sorry. Continue on with your poorly made point. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Of course. I love you and your bad calls. Oh, <laughs> Hey, by the way, uh, looking at this Wikipedia article, you know, it came out in 1999. Yeah. Top 10. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So anyways, Chris, you were talking about top 10 by Alan Moore. Go ahead. In it, one of the things that they uh, also talk about is that there is kind of like a grand game of things that is going on of good versus evil. And no one quite understands what it is. Like, it's a very, uh, to go back to our Lovecraftian episode about how we can't comprehend the game that's being played. Much like that, the people in the Nexus here, they know that they're being chosen, but they don't know why. And yeah, that's kind of like they, what I was getting at. They don't even yeah. know what the stakes are or what the win scenario is. Mm -hmm. mm. But also, I just like how gods and everything do uh, like crop up in fiction and how they barely exist, or the more they barely exist, the better. You know, I just realized that we're also getting a really deep vibe of like the City of Mist setting, if you guys oh, know yeah. that at all. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of like Sandman too. Oh yeah. <sighs> All right, gentlemen. I feel like we're at a good point where we can roll into a twist. How's everyone with yeah. that? Yeah, that seems good. So, gentlemen, we're at a point where we need to throw in a twist that's going to mess everything up here. Now, the subject of this. Oh wait, ha ha never mind. So let's go ahead and throw in the twist. 
Our twist is we have an unreliable main character slash narrator, which actually is uh, is kind of interesting when it comes to this type of stuff. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah, because now we get into some really interesting topics here. But you'll have to wait until next episode for us to discuss that uh, as we kind of reconcile what the fuck we're going to do with an unreliable main character slash narrator. So uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of World Build With Us. And remember that if you want us to build your world, you can go ahead and send us an email at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com or shoot us a tweet over at Let's World Build. Or if you want to come join our community, chat with us about world building or just, you know, life in general, go ahead and join our Discord. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always donate to us on Patreon. All that information is going to be in the description. Uh, remember that we love you very much and we're going to get through this together. We'd also like to thank our patrons. We have Jason, John, Clark, Lord of all Chris's, Seth, and Jacob. These people are the reason we continue to do the podcast. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Mm-hmm.